Good morning. I was uh, poised to bore you with an introduction on the history of the Reformation today, but, um, but actually the events of life this week have tragically intruded, and I know it's touched the lives of many um, this week. My wife teaches in Seal Beach. My children attend school there as well, and many of you know some who are affected. Um, if we ever needed to be energized by hope, this would be the time. Uh, despite kind of the general malaise in our society right now, the brokenness and depravity of humankind has hit home close and hard this week. And it really casts a dark shadow over what are generally tough times anyways. And it was planned several weeks ago what we would talk about today. It's almost a, a prophetic order of service in a sense or, or teaching schedule because our message today is titled Hope Energized. And we certainly need to be energized with hope as believers in Christ, and particularly as we take his hope to the world. And one of the great hopes we have is going to heaven when we die, looking forward to the resurrection and the new heavens and the new earth and all of that, but that hope seems so far off when we need hope here and we need it now. And I think sometimes relegating our hope to someday in times like these can hurt the church, blinding us to the rich hope that God has for us today. So let me explain. We're, we're continuing our study of Romans, cultivating growth, and I hope you understand what an earth-shaking book Romans is. It has genuinely changed the world, not just because it tells us what Jesus did to change the world, but, but how through the years, or, or, or how it, it, it's changed how people through the years have viewed God and the world and themselves. Romans was a primary weapon to bring justification, the fact that we have, are, are declared righteous before God by faith back to the center of the faith. And it was so central, we have dialed into it at times, I think, to the detriment of other doctrines. And that's because salvation by faith is so easy to lose sight of. We want to work for our salvation. We, we kind of have moralism built into our spiritual DNA, it seems. And so we've worked diligently in the Protestant tradition for, for centuries to stay focused like lasers on the reality that we are justified by faith. And we should thank God that we have. It is a precious doctrine. But the question is, is there more? Because sometimes it seems like there isn't. In fact, we've spent the last several weeks in Romans, the first four chapters of Romans, and all of it is dealing in one way, shape, or form with justification. Basically, it starts off where you're in a lot of trouble, and you can't save yourself, and so Jesus came, and he died to justify us so that we could stand before God. And last week, Mike talked about what real faith is, what it looks like that we stand by. But is there more to life than just justification by faith? Well, yes, and it's, it's a word we need now as much as ever with the week that we've had. So turn your Bibles to Romans 5. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will be happy to bring you a loaner uh, for this week. Leave it on your seats when you go. If you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to have one if you'll read it. So go out to the Information Center after service and say, hey, I'd like a Bible, and I, I promise to read it. Um, and then we would give that to you. Romans is in the New Testament. New Testament's about three-quarters of the way through your Bible, and then... It is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. I'm in Ephesians. There we go, Romans. Romans 5. You notice the first word it starts with. It's, it says, therefore. And I've, we've talked about this before, is when it's there, the therefore, you ask what it's there for. So this is talking about everything that's gone before, which is justification by faith, what we've been looking at so far in Romans. And so today we're asking the question, what are the benefits of justification by faith? What are the fruits of it? And as we unpack these benefits, it's, I trust that we will be energized by hope 
which is why the name of this message is Hope Energized. So let's look at our benefits package, so to speak. Benefit number one is that through justification we have peace with God. Verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because we were justified, we now have peace. Well, what does peace mean? Different people have different definitions. Um, Both the Roman and the Jewish angles on peace actually complement each other pretty well. So we'll start with the Romans. And for the Romans, it may have had what many of us would think when we think of peace. It's it's just an absence of war. Uh, In the Roman case, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, was about the Roman emperor maintaining peace by crushing his enemies. this This is really instructive for us for what we've been talking about the last several weeks because we've been enemies of God. We've been at war with him because we have chosen to do our own things, to be our our own rulers, and he is the rightful king and we have been in rebellion against him. Now what does Caesar do when people are in rebellion? He crushes them. But Jesus is different. He didn't crush us. He was crushed to secure our peace with God. He was crucified to exhaust God's wrath against our sin. He conquered with his sacrifice and with his love. That's where he's different. When we talk about making peace, when Caesar or or any victor, um, well, actually anyone involved in a conflict, when it comes time to make peace, there's two ways that peace is dealt with. It's offered and it's received. Um, you give the terms of peace or you accept the terms of peace. This idea where we make peace with God, we have to be careful when we say that because we can't really negotiate with him. He's one. And so he, he, we can't say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? He says, here are the terms of peace. Will you accept these? We have to receive the peace that he's offered to us. So what does that peace look like? Well, now we flip over to the Hebrew understanding of peace that lends a little more depth to this, to this discussion. Romans is written in Greek, but Paul and others use Jewish concepts pretty liberally. In Jewish peace, the word shalom, you've probably heard that. It's talking about a fullness of life and goodness and well-being and prosperity and enjoying God's good gifts. So it's not just ceasing hostility. It's not that we're just not fighting with God, but we also have this whole avenue of blessing opened up to us through Christ. With shalom, it's not just that we're not fighting, but it's that all is good with God. Now, this is really important to how it comes to how we live our everyday lives. Because some of us think that God's like that exterminator guy that you see on the freeway, and he's just ready to crush us, right? Like, we're rats, and he's just gonna, gonna stomp us. Or we feel like he's already done that. And that's not God. If we've given ourselves to Christ, we've said, God, I accept your terms of peace, then there is no hostility. And God's peace, while you may not have currently internalized it, it's a reality. But again, it's more than ending hostility. It's it's entering into that fullness of life, and sometimes we short-circuit that process. We've all made mistakes. Sometimes it's it's things we've done. Sometimes it's even terrible things that have been done to us, and and we're in a tough spot. Whether it's divorce, or, or you give in to sexual temptation, or lying, or whatever it is, you have one. You may have several. You may have a long list of regrets. And you have been beating yourself up about it for years. I, I chose those words carefully. You have been beating yourself up for it for years. God hasn't. Because remember, hostilities have ceased. 
And so you are carrying on your own civil war within yourself and you are denying yourself to enter into the fullness of peace God offers you. That's part of his terms of peace. And he's out of the picture right now because you won't let him in. Now, I'm not trying to, to, to take away all of our responsibility. We absolutely and regularly need to examine ourselves and say, God, where am I, am I walking um, away from you and, and examining yourself and confessing your sins and repenting of it and, and, and giving yourself fully to God? And while we still may need to deal with the consequences of those poor decisions we've made, you don't need to keep beating yourself up over it. You give it up and you let peace come in. And some don't know if they can have peace or not because you won't give yourself a break long enough to see if God could fill you with his peace. You're too busy beating yourself down. If God wanted to sit and scowl at you forever, he could have. But he didn't send his son so that that could happen. The Trinity could have hung out and just scowled for eternity because we make plenty of messes. But he sent his son to bring peace. And so let that peace into your life. That is the first benefit of justification. When we have right standing with him, we have peace with God. But there's more. Let's look at our second benefit. Benefit number two is that we have constant access. Let's keep reading verse two. Through whom, that is Jesus Christ, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So Jesus has given us peace, but he also has given us access. What does that mean? The language here is still kind of regal, kind of kingly language, and Romans would have understood this language in line of the restricted access people had to see an official, or specifically Caesar, that access was limited. You couldn't just walk up and, and start talking to him. And we get this, you know, I don't know if that show's still going, but there's the show Access Hollywood. We need a TV show because we don't have access to those celebrities, right? You can't have your people call President Obama's people and, and make something happen. If you can, we need to know who you are. That, that, that's very, you're someone we need to know. Um, but the point here is that because of Jesus, though, we're in. Beyond just having peace, we have access to the king. Far better than access, Hollywood. And, and this is an act of his grace. We enter God's presence not by our own merits, but because of Jesus' kindness and goodness and generosity. What would normally be restricted to the elite of society is given to each one of us who has received, who have been justified by faith. And it's a much higher authority than Caesar. And that's pretty humbling to think about. We have the greatest security clearance the world has ever known. We have audience with the most powerful being, not just in all of creation, but beyond all of creation. That's, that's amazing. Now, with something this special, this great clearance we have, we may think, I don't, I don't want to abuse this. I don't want to bug him too much, so... Christmas, Easter, I'm good. Then, 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 you know, that way I won't, I won't wear out my welcome. Well, standing by grace, here in the Greek, it's in the perfect tense. And what that means is this is an ongoing state of affairs. You always have access to God's presence. It isn't something that we just do occasionally or we wait for him to you know extend the scepter or whatever and say now's a good time it is always open the welcome mat's always out the door is always open that's amazing and, and it's by his grace it's not because we're great it's because he is it's unmerited but it's real you can whenever you want have access to the king in fact he's your father that's that's wonderful that's amazing but unfortunately, what happens to some of us is when we have something all the time, we don't want it, right? 
We used to live down on Ocean Boulevard in Long Beach, across the street from the beach. When we moved there, um, well, once we were pregnant with our third child, it just wasn't going to work. Neighbors didn't like us anyways with two girls, and they have no idea how thankful they are now um, that we don't live above them. But um, when we first decided to move down there, it was, it was like, I am going to live at the beach, man. I am going to go over there. I'm going to read my Bible over there every day. I'm going I'm to turn into a runner. I'm going to run on the beach. I'm going to be down there all the time. I never went to the beach. I mean, it was right there. It, I always had that access, and the, the wonder seemed to go away. And I think sometimes we can be like that in our prayer lives. It's nice to know he's always there. And if we have a, a tough week like this week where our hearts are breaking, he is there, and we should go to him. But then we think things get back to normal, and we kind of neglect him. And we need to recapture the privilege of prayer in our minds. Sometimes we don't want to go to prayer because we think, I can't really tell God what I'm thinking because I'm really ticked at him right now. Why did he let this stuff happen this week? And, and so we think that, hey, I can't go to God because I can't be honest. Well, let me tell you, honestly, he knows what you're thinking anyways. So you can go to him and he can deal with it and, and, and that's how you can begin the process of healing through something is by bringing it to him and bringing it to him honestly. Read the Psalms. David is not always a happy camper, but, he, but God appreciates that we bring ourselves to him fully. Maybe you don't know how to pray. And one of the things we can do is we can learn from others. Um, Tuesday night, there's a prayer ministry, a great opportunity to, to pray with some wonderful prayer warriors. And, and maybe it's just you're, you're intimidated to pray, but come and be blessed and, and pray with people in your mind. And then in time, you will hear how people pray well and you can learn how to do that. Um, one other way is that we, we pray for each other in our garden of prayer. And, and in fact, I was going to say, we'll do, we, we had Garden of Prayer scheduled for the end. I'm like, well, when we're talking about constant access, let's just do it now. So we're going to do that now. And what Garden of Prayer is, is it's an opportunity where we have people, and you guys can take, find your places, the, the elders, prayer team members, staff are around the, the worship center here, and they're here to stand with you in prayer. And so if you have a need or you just want to pray for, the, for those who are suffering in Seal Beach and in our area, um, these folks are here to stand with you in prayer. And so um, if you all could stand so that it's easy to get in and out, um, and you don't have to just come up with them. You can pray in your seats. And as, this, as, the, as the music plays, come stand with someone, and we'll be delighted to pray with you. You go ahead and have a seat. Sermon's not over yet. Sorry. No, the, the benefits of justification are beautiful, though, aren't they? Peace with God, a, a constant access or availability, of his presence, and so life should be perfect, right? You can't get better than this. And in some ways, that's true. But in other ways, I love how genuine the Bible is, because Paul's talking about all these great things, but it also doesn't sugarcoat the difficulties of life, because we look at our next benefit, and we see that there's joy in suffering. And yes, I really did say joy in the suffering. Actually, I didn't. Paul did. Um, so you can email him. Verses 3 and 4. <laughs> Not only so... But we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Amen. Perseverance, character, and character hope. Now, who rejoices in their suffering, at least as their first emotion? Anybody? Yeah, we had a halo for you if you raised your hand at the info center, but <laughs> no, none of us do. That's why that was safe to, to, to say that. Um, we, uh, the sufferings here are literally pressures, and, and Mike hit how, how heavy some of those painful questions of life are last week. 
And, and not just the tragedies on the global scale, but why do I have this disease? Why are my kids in full rebellion against God? Why is my marriage crumbling? Why do I still not have a job? Why does my family hate me because I love Jesus? These are deep, personal, and profoundly painful questions, and there's no easy answers apart from the fact that we live in a fallen and sinful world where sins ruined everything, and people make really bad choices. But what's also clear in this is that our suffering matters to God. That God wants to do something in us based on what's happening to us. And so we need to change our thinking when it comes to our struggles. They aren't always punishments for character flaws. Sometimes they are. I mean, there's consequences to sin. But it's not always a character flaw punishment, but sometimes it's the thing that God is using to forge our character. And that's what we see here. Suffering results in perseverance. Some of you are in incredible pain right now. Life's really, really hard. But you know what? God has strengthened you in the process, or he will. And you never would have thought you could survive what's happening to you right now. Every day you ask God to take it away. Or you're going to die, or you're going to go insane, or whatever. And guess what? You may be living on the edge, but you're still living. You're still surviving, and you may feel weaker than ever, but I guarantee you, you're stronger than ever. Because God has built your perseverance. You're far stronger than you think, not because you're so great, but because a great God is at work in you. And when I, when I think of perseverance, I think of single parents. And regardless of how you've got to that, gotten to that status, your situation is growing you in perseverance. Your strength is amazing. And we're actually going to begin a single parents group so that you can have some help, so that you can have some support in this process. But as you're persevering, let God's Spirit speak to you a well done to your spirit as you've persevered to care for your children during a difficult time. Let's keep moving here to the progression because suffering results in perseverance and then perseverance produces character. See, because it's also possible to endure suffering and pressure and then let it harden you until you have a heart of stone rather than looking more like Jesus. See, we can persevere and at the same time we can be poisoning ourselves with our own bitterness. Perseverance that's under God's guidance that's the kind of perseverance that produces character. The word used for character here is one who has passed the test. That you're a different person, that you look more like Jesus when you persevere in a godly way. When you persevere with a godly mindset, you become that person of character. And then in our text, it moves to hope. Well, why? Why does all this hard stuff lead to hope? Well, it shows that your suffering isn't in vain that your character is going to be changed, and so God has a purpose for your pain. It isn't wasted. It's not a random accident. It is the means by which God is going to shape you into the person he wants to use, a person of deep and godly character. And so hope flows from that knowledge that God's going to do something with this. But now the question moves to, how can we be sure this hope isn't going to disappear? How do we know this hope won't evaporate right when I need it most? And that's our last benefit, benefit number four is hope guaranteed by love. I love this verse. Hope will not disappoint. And by disappoint, it means it won't come up short, it won't be proven groundless, it won't be put to shame, is what some translations say. And the idea is, and that's because God has poured his love into our hearts. Verses, verse 5. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts. He loves you. And so you can bank your hope on that truth that God will not fail you because of his great love. His commitment isn't about um, hedging bets or making some type of political calculations or something like that. We hope, and we can be confident in that hope, because God loves us. And Paul gives two ways that God shows his love for us. The first is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The Holy Spirit pours God's love into our hearts. This is one of those kind of emotional moments where God's Spirit speaks to you and his love is spoken deep into your heart. And and this is something that in our lives we need to give space for God to speak. We need to be able to sit alone with him, sit in silence and say, hey God, speak your truth into my life. Where he can confirm that, hey, you're okay and I love you. And sometimes I'll be talking or corresponding with people and they're really struggling to believe that God could actually love them. And one of the things I'll tell them is I'll say, you know what, take a passage, uh, take some time. I'll give you a passage of scripture and I want you to create time each day and I want you to think on this text. I want you to read it out loud. I want you to say, God, what does this mean? What are you trying to say to me through this? Here's my favorite. My go-to is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. This is Paul again. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That we need to create space and time to begin to grasp the depth and the height of God's love. Romans 8, 37 to 39 is also a great passage as well to meditate on. Now, some of us are perhaps more emotional than others. We may not experience that, um, that touching of our hearts if, if we're not maybe wired that way. But that doesn't change the objective truth that God loves us. And so we might need some help saying, I, I, I'm not having this wonderful experience of the Spirit speaking to my heart. Maybe you just not, can't hear it at this point. But even if you can't, we only need to turn our eyes to the cross to understand the second way that he shows us how hope is grounded in love. Um, I'll have people meditate on John 3.16. I mean, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Our passage unpacks this expression of love. It's what it spends most of the time on here. And you'll notice, if you have an NIV, at least, there's a new paragraph um, that makes it seem like it's a new thought, but it's really the second thing, the second way that God shows his love to us. Um, Let's read verses 6 to 11. You see, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We're back to where we started. Peace, reconciliation, access. I mean, this is rich gospel theology here, and this is one of my favorite passages in all the scriptures. And some of you, you want to hope, but you're not sure you can trust God. 
Who's to say he's not going to bail on you? Reject you right when you need him most. Well, here's why. You saw the text. We were powerless, ungodly, sinners, enemies. This is not a good self-esteem passage for us. God is the king, and we've said, no, I'm king or I'm queen. And whether we did it by shaking our fist at heaven or silently doing our own thing, hoping he didn't notice, we've done our own thing. See, he doesn't love you because you're so wonderful. He loves you because he's so wonderful. And you know what that means? If he doesn't love you because you're so wonderful, he's not going to leave you when he finds out you're not that wonderful either. Back to the text. We're in this desperate, rebellious state. Jesus died while we're in this state on our behalf. And we receive this gift and we're justified. We have right standing before God. And I know we have all kinds of people here this morning. And some of you need to remember where you are, that you have been justified and that God has given himself for you in his son. And you need to stand in confidence and stand in that grace. And you need to maybe repent. You've got some stuff in your life that you're holding on to because you don't really trust him. And you need to clear that out. You need to spend some time doing business with God in that, in that, in that way and just asking him to, to clean you and get right with him. Start trusting him based on what he has already shown us about himself. He's not like everyone else. You can trust him. But others need to receive this gift for the first time, these terms of peace that God offers. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I want you to pray with me. And and if you've made this decision, I'm, I'm going to lead those who haven't in this prayer, but if you've made this decision, spend this time praying for those who are grappling with this decision right now. Or praying for those in your life who you want to make this decision. But don't waste this opportunity to, to ask God to move in people's hearts. So I'd like everyone to bow their heads with me. And, and if you have not yet prayed this prayer, I want you to pray it with me now. If you mean it in your heart. God, I know I'm a sinner. I've done my own thing. I've lived my own life. Whether I, whether it's, I didn't know or I didn't acknowledge that my life belongs to you. And I, I don't want to live that way anymore. I realize that's sin, and I, I'm thankful, and I receive the gift of Jesus dying on the cross to pay for my sin. And I know, Lord, that it's not just a transaction, but you want my life. And so I want to walk with you. I want to experience the peace and the joy and the hope and the access to you that comes with receiving your terms of peace. I am giving myself to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer today, we want to know, because with his resurrection, he is the first There's more to follow. That's our hope. We're guaranteed that someday. But also he's given us the capacity through the Spirit living in us to live a new kind of life right now. And so that's what we're called to do. So we can praise God that we are justified by faith, but it's so much more than that. These benefits are unbelievable. We've got to never let go of that rich doctrine of justification by faith, but while we hold on to that tightly, we can also delight in the benefits that come with it. Peace has been offered by the only one who can offer it, God himself. And he offers us constant access, better than access Hollywood. We've got access Yahweh or access Jesus. He gives meaning to our suffering that can actually bring joy to what we see happening in our lives, knowing that he is at work in us to transform us. And all these give us hope. It's hope energized. And how do we know this hope won't disappear? Because it's grounded in God's love. The Holy Spirit that he's given us tells us so, And we look at the cross and we see the lengths God went to be reconciled with us, to give us this hope. 
And so may we live lives filled with hope, hope energized, because our world needs it more than ever. So do we. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the reminder that we're not saved by, because of how wonderful we are, but because of how wonderful you are. And Lord, may we stand in that truth and gain confidence and live well and have hope that you love us deeply and have given all to reconcile with us. May we not hold that, that gift as something cheap, but rather delight in it and live in it. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Justin. Uh, the idea in any, well, as we grow spiritually is to